0: Welcome to episode 112 of The Digital Life, a show about our adventures in the world of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Neymar.
1: Greetings, John.
0: So this week, I think we should talk about what what I consider a uh, concerning trend, if not a maybe maybe even a disturbing trend, which is the uh, sort of the growing contractor economy as typified by, by Uber, you know, and, uh, you know, to, to a lesser extent, Airbnb, and then uh, the signals uh, from the American middle class uh, that, you know, that, that group is getting, uh, is getting squeezed and, you know, might be in, in real trouble. So on the one hand, we have this digital innovation, uh, very relevant to the digital life, Um, And on the other hand, we have the the American middle class, which has been the backbone of the economy for so long, Uh, you know, and and there's this this squeeze on. And I I know it's not directly necessarily related to the rise of Uber and other such services, but there's definitely a confluence of events here uh, that that I think is is cause for notice, if not cause for concern and. With the presidential elections starting to heat up in this country, we've got at least one presidential candidate, uh, Hillary Clinton, of course, who's who's making some hay about this, right? Talking about uh, you know these these digital services and the uh, the American middle class as as potentially being uh, at least on its face incompatible. So I wanted to dig into that a bit today and and talk about automation and sort of the future of work and really the future of meaningful work uh, as we use technology to uh, put into place systems that that are going to be taking care of uh, a lot of things that uh, in previous generations would have been done by people. Dirk, what's your take?
1: Yeah, so so I'm gonna t- I'm gonna go up a number of levels and take a super big picture <laughs> cut at this. Go um, for it. So you know, once upon a time, it was it, it was necessary for people to work in order to create the things that they needed to subsist. Uh, if they didn't work to create those things, they would be incapable of subsistence. Uh, we are today at a point where uh, machines make it. You know, if if, if you throw out throughout the capitalism part and throughout the fact that the, the, the money and thus the power is not distributed evenly. So, you know, you're having to try and get more of it in order to pay for things. But the the technology and the infrastructure exists so that we no longer need everyone to work uh, for our subsistence. That the the, the combination of, of human capital and technology make it so that um, subsistence is less than everyone working. Now, we're all working... Um, Either and and either um, to provide luxuries on top of subsistence, or just to keep this structure, the 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 capitalist economic structure, going. Uh, so this is a giant evolutionary arc, and where we're heading, the you know the the, the things that like Hillary Clinton's talking about the i the idea of you know people are going to contractors. It's clear that the old model is is breaking down and changing. Those are all steps toward. Are not needing to work for subsistence or luxuries. It's getting to the point where it will be well less than, uh, um, you know, a hundred percent of human capital on top of technology required to provide everything that we would want or need. The the um, and the result of that is that people literally don't need to have jobs. They don't need to work other than to make money, other than to accumulate power and leverage within, within the society um, most locally um, or civilization more, more broadly. And so we're, we're, we're approaching a time where the world could shift in really massive ways um, because the work, it's simply not required for people to work, uh, to, to, ha- to create the things that are needed to keep, keep life going. And so the question is, is what then? I mean, one of the, the byproducts of work, and I've, I've mentioned this, I think, in passing on other shows, but I don't think we've dealt, um, we've gotten into it too deeply one of the byproducts of work is, is a form of social control. So if I'm working, I can't be um, you know, I can't be getting drunk um, because I don't have anything to do. I can't be sleeping with the neighbor's wife. I can't be doing things that are potentially destabilizing to social systems of people cohabitating, in you know in in modern civilization, and so uh, the, the the question is how is that going to shake out? How um, as as we reach a point, and it's coming, it's it's decades, not years, but it's really coming. It's close. It ain't centuries. That's for damn sure. As, as we reach the point that most of the work can be done by technology, and the need for people to do the work, um, the rest of the work to sort of make, make the half a whole, uh, you know, that's that's going to leave a lot of people without needing to work um, for for work as a means of, of providing the things that, that the society is trying to provide. Um, what are they going to do with their time? And that's, to me, that's the big and, and interesting question that kind of gets lost in the froth and churn over viewing it in the current Economic system of upper class and middle class and forty-hour work weeks. I think a lot of those, a lot of those things are going to get completely blown out by the direction this takes. And the thing that's just not totally clear is what what direction it does take, because there's there's a few a few different that it could.
0: Yeah. So so we should dig into that uh, so, some more uh, the the different future directions that it could take. But but first, I I just wanted to follow up on a couple of points that you had made. Uh, one, do you think that work uh, in and of itself is, is a good thing for sort of uh, let's call it self-worth or sort of having a meaningful life, right? Whether or not that work is you know compensated so you can go buy luxuries or uh, you know food or, or what have you. But um, certainly, I mean at least for myself I very much enjoy working right whether it's uh, uh, my own projects or uh, you know projects at the studio or uh, you know projects at home Uh, so so that gives me mean you know meaning for me and, and and purpose to my existence um, so, so I think sort of caught up in this. In addition to the uh, the economic question uh, that that we're discussing here, there's also the question of, of meaningfulness uh, behind uh, behind work. What's what's your uh, perspective on that, Dirk?
1: Well, so I think, I think every, everyone's different, and so you, you have to look at it from the standpoint of individual agency compared to the social good. From the standpoint of individual agency, some people don't care a, a lot about meaning, right? I mean, um, you know, some some people are um, – the way that they're wired, you know, the combination of their nature and nurture have, have manifest to the point where um, it, 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 it's not important to them that the things they do and the choices they make are um, – are full of meaning or meaning based, you know, they have other, other things that, that, that matter to them, um, that, that are, you know, I, the problem, the problem, you know, there's, there's terms I want to use that I don't have negative connotations to, but, um, culturally tend to have more negative connotations. So I'm, I'm struggling to pick my, my words properly, but some, you know, some people, they are fulfilled by more, primitive um, pleasures, by more primitive um, experiences, which which isn't an inherently bad thing, but notions of, of meaning, that, that isn't the core and the most important thing to, to everyone. so I think, I think we need to be cognizant of that to, to some degree. And even then looking at it from another perspective, work, some people may like to work without having anything to do with meaning. So like you're saying for you work is very important and has meaning that that's core for you, I think is um, it's too strong to say idiosyncratic to you, but is, is only true for a, a segment, and I would certainly say a minority segment of the population. I mean, we're still talking about individual, we're still looking at this from the, the lens of individual agency at this point. If, if you then look at it from the, the standpoint of social good, um, you know, there's, there's work and productivity as, as a means of contributing to the things that need to be created. And even when we have the robots and the automation, all that other stuff, there's going to be plenty of contexts where, uh, you know, a human is going to be necessary for, for the foreseeable future. So, from a social good perspective, there is the need for some degree of work, some number of people to work, um, some amount of time, um, just to just to keep things running. But the other part on the social good side, which I touched at a little bit before, is is um, you know societal control. Is you know if if people have lots of time to to spend um you know what what are they doing and is what they're doing constructive or destructive to to the greater context and these things are really complicated when you get into things like global warming and overpopulation you know if you go back um i don't know i don't know how long but if if you if you go back a ways there was universally or near universally a belief or feeling that um, you know, the earth was abundant and plentiful without without restriction, that basically, you know, we we are living in and taking from a bottomless pit of, of resources. And that's just clearly not the case. And we are now more and more aware that that's not the case. And what happens when that can be quantified and the things that people do um, are able to be measured against the impact on a dwindling supply of of resources um on the planet or if, if the, the right frame might not even be supply it might be more on the destructiveness you know if it's not so much that my taking this oil out of the earth um, depletes the oil it's that the activities in the around the taking of the oil um, do have these other multifaceted destructive impacts on the rest of of what is here on the planet, and so once we're able to quantify this stuff and have some calculus around that, if you know, if we're in this theoretical future where people don't need to work just for the sake of working, and um, we're able to measure that, like you know, that person eating a steak really, like it's it's at a it's at a micro level relative to the whole scale of the Earth, but it's, it's like a it's like a knife right in the side of of the planet. Um, you know, what, is that person um, better for the world or worse for the world uh, in terms of the, the choices they're making, the things that they're doing? Um, they're, they're exercising their agency in their life. And, you know, if people are making, you know, if people in this world where they're not needed to be working, to be making these systems run, if the systems can run themselves, if what they're doing is consuming and, you know, at some micro level destroying, uh, what does that mean? What are the implications? Um, for their their role and purpose and um there's a lot of actually scary if you start to take this logic experiment out there's a lot of sort of um you know scary and dystopian ways of looking at it but there are things that while dystopian are becoming more and more logical in the context of the changing frames of of the situation that we're dealing with um you know here in our in our little world so i think i think there's a lot of compelling grist um around all of this stuff
0: yeah, I, so so we've been talking at a at a pretty high level about about these issues. I I did want to dig in a little bit to sort of the immediacy of of this debate about you know the future of of the middle class in America just because it's such a poignant topic, uh, especially during the uh, the election cycles here. And uh, and I I think the American middle class has been such a um, sort of cornerstone of what we think this country is um, that that to see these these shifts brought on by uh, tech you know technology emerging technologies digital technologies um, to see these shifts happening it's 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 causing an, an awful lot of trepidation and um, and fear. Uh, which I think we're starting to see come to a head. Um, we can we can recall historically that you know massive technological shifts around the Industrial Revolution uh, resulted in all kinds of counter movements. Um, the most famous being the the Luddites who who uh, broke into factories and smashed the the looms that uh, were were, um, you know, basically ruining or what they thought were ruining their, their sources of livelihood. Um, and, and, and I don't know if we're really at, at that loom smashing moment here in the States, but, but it's, it, I mean, we'll get to find that out, uh, as this debate unfolds because there, there is, uh, you know, under, under the surface, there is an awful lot of, uh, feeling of insecurity, uh, that, um, that I think is a, is apparent in in our political discussions.
1: Yeah, I mean the Luddites are a good lesson because uh, they uh, they came and they were breaking the looms, but then they were being killed by security guards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so their movement was disbanded. I mean the Luddites that term has has continued to take on meaning, and it's sort of a cliche term that I also use to talk about a certain degree of sort of you know techno technological backwardness. The reality is they had very little impact. <laughs> they were they were a footnote in history and the the weavers the loomers or whatever the correct terminology is uh who were, who were sort of the 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 impetus behind that i mean 20 years later that profession no longer existed um they they didn't they didn't have any impact now we live in a world where the government has um drones missiles um you know powerful guns and and armor and so you know at, at the end of the day i mean the, the opportunity for for revolution in some of these theoretical futures, the opportunity to sort of t- take the luddite spirit and try and turn some of this back is, is really really narrow um, it's really narrow so getting coming coming more to the practical kernel of of what you you know where, where you sort of um, Instigated the whole the whole conversation. I mean, I, I think I think for the middle class, you know, from the standpoint of where we are today and the current frame of what our society is, yeah, I think that there's there's reason for heartburn. I think there's reason to be concerned. But what you have to ask yourself is, you know, what's what's the worst case? Like, if you play it out, where does this go? And if if you believe, and I think this is very likely the case, that it's not going to end up with you know, some percent of the people, with that percent being under 10, being in control and having everything, and the rest of everybody else um, being, you know, <laughs> uh, maybe not literally slaves as we think about it in the older, older times, but basically slaves, you know, subsistence, living subsistence, working. I mean, if you if you exclude that as a possibility. Then the only way that this plays out is that there's some major system change, so that you know the bulk of the people um, are going to be okay. They're going to still, you know, using the frame of what we expect in our culture currently. They're going to continue to have a home. They're going to continue to be able to eat. They're going to continue to have access to um, communication media and other leisure things. Like, however, this shakes out, those things are just going to kind of still be in place. So, I, I know in in from the standpoint of like the way the world is now, and as people see the jobs going away, they see the automation coming. Um, you know, they feel like they're falling behind in terms of their compensation. I, I can understand where that where that comes from but unless you think we're going to to devolve into uh, you know a relative to recent history in 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 the western world a very you know a historic conception of um all the power being being um in in a very small control and everybody else having basically nothing, which by the way is not where we are today, as much as people like to talk about the one percenters the non one percenters the let's call it the fifty percent are out there has a pretty good life. they've got air conditioning, they've got a refrigerator, they're loading up their shopping cart at Walmart I mean, so you know things things ain't that bad now, and they're not going to get much worse at the end of however this plays out unless we we bend into something that is is really um really scary and i just don't i just don't think that that is is going to happen at this point
0: yeah that's uh you know a a a nice sort of reverse take on things turning out okay dirk i like the way the way you put that together um yeah, I'm I'm absolutely fascinated because I, I think part of the you know the, this election cycle is going to hinge on, on this very topic, um, and I'm uh, you know attracted to it just because of the uh, sort of the the digital nature of you know a, a large portion of it when it comes to automation. So we are going to have a a fascinating uh, election season, and uh, you know I'm looking forward to seeing uh, uh, you know how this all plays out. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things we are mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com, that's just one L in the digital life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening, or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. And if you're interested in following us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And remember, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, uh, which you can check out at Goinvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk?
1: You can follow me on Twitter at D That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R, or email me Dirk at Goinvo.com.
0: So that's it for episode 112 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time.